together as a church family and just so thankful for the Lord's blessings and grace at work in our lives. Just want to let you know about a few things going on. Coming up, CJ is out on vacation today, so if you don't see him and Nikki, they're away this weekend together, and we're thankful they get some time off. But I want to let you know about a few things coming up. First of all, last Sunday we had a deacon election here in the service. I just want to give you a quick update on that, that all five men were overwhelmingly elected by you. And so we are just rejoicing and thankful for that. And so we already had our first deacon team meeting last Wednesday night with these guys, along with Alex and Shin, who are carrying on as current deacons, and just really excited about where the Lord's taking us with us. Each of these guys will be giving oversight to different ministry areas in the church, and so in the weeks to come as that gets established, there'll be many own rants for you to serve here. If you want to help us with facility things, if you want to help us with greeting and hospitality and um, senior adult care or sick care, there's a lot of things that are going to be helping us with them. There's going to be many opportunities for you to serve with them. The goal is not for these guys to do everything, but for them to equip you, the body, to serve is there's a lot of ways to be involved and I'm thrilled about that and so you'll be listening out for more on that in the weeks to come. Later in the service today, after we sing, before we have our prayer time, we're gonna have these guys come forward. So deacons, be ready to come forward in a little while. We wanna lay hands on you and pray over you for a few minutes in the service as we thank God for what he has done. Now, several things coming up over the next weeks. First of all, today, 4.30 here in this room, we're having a prayer time. We do this on the second and fourth Sundays of each month. It's a great chance to come together in a small group and pray together for one another, for the nation, for the world. And so I just want to invite you to come to that. Greg Teal leads that for us. And so that'll be here today at 4.30. Then each Sunday morning at 8 o'clock as well in room one, we do that. Now, if you've been visiting Gateway and want to learn more about us, coming up in two weeks on April 10th, we have Discover Gateway. Discover Gateway is a meal at my house after the worship service on a Sunday. We're going to talk to you about the history of our church here, what we believe, how we're structured, how you can be involved. And so if you'd like to learn more about us, we'd love for you to come. There's no commitment to join by coming, but it is the first step in the membership process. So details are on our website, gatewaybaptist.com. We need you to sign up ahead of time if you want to join us for that. Space is limited. We only fit so many people in our house at a given Sunday, but we'd love for you to come. So sign up on the website if you would like to join us. Now, three weeks from today is Easter. You believe we're already to Easter? It is coming up very soon. So we have several Easter activities that week we want you to be aware of and mark your calendars for. Good Friday, that Friday evening, we'll have a Good Friday service in this room at 7 p.m., it's a reflective service. We're going to do scripture readings. We'll sing songs. So think about Christ's sacrifice for us, and we'll end with communion. Now, we do not have child care for this service, but the family is welcome with you. Hope you'll come. It's just a one-hour service on Good Friday evening. We'd love for you to be part of that. Then on Easter Sunday morning at 6.30 a.m., yes, that's very early, there's a community sunrise service. We do this in partnership with several other churches in town. This has been going on for many, many years where we've partnered with these churches to do a community sunrise service. It's not here. It's just down the street at the corner of Bell Road and Atlanta Highway at Grace Presbyterian. And we will do that at 6.30 a.m. with them. It's about a one-hour service as well. And if you want to stay, there is a fellowship breakfast afterwards. They just ask you to bring a dish to share if you'd like to stay for the breakfast. Then we'll be back on campus here as normal on Easter Sunday morning. 10.30 a.m., our Easter worship celebration. We'd love for you to invite a friend to come with you. We have a normal schedule, so yes, Bible study groups meet, so come on at 9, and we'll have all of our normal Bible studies for all ages with the Easter celebration at 10.30. Now, details of each of these are on our website, gatewaybaptist.com. Also, they're on Facebook, so if you want to use it to invite a friend, look on Facebook or look on our website, and you'll find all the details for Good Friday, Sunrise Service, and Easter worship service. Now, for particularly for the parents, you know I like to give out free books, right? 
We got a whole case of books and these little booklets we want to give to the families. This is something you can use with your kids to get them ready for Easter. It's actually from a larger study Bible for kids that we have out there in the Resource Center, but they've made it compact for Easter, pulling out all the Easter stories. And simply it's called the Biggest Story Bible Storybook Easter Stories. This is just beautifully illustrated with different scenes from what happened and just a great way for you to focus your family on the Easter season. There's no cost for these. They're down at the preschool check-in. So parents, if you've got kids um, in the preschool, get these at the kiosk when you check them out today. If you don't have kids in preschool, but you want to work through this as a family or even with friends, they're all down at the preschool check-in desk after the service day. Go grab you one. There's a huge case of these, and we'd love for you to have one of these to read as a family just as you focus your heart and mind on Easter. It's by Kevin DeYoung, who's a trusted pastor and author and hope it would be a great resource for you. But that's at the end of the hall down by the kiosk check-in after the service today. Two other things we want to mention to you coming up. There's Secret Church Simulcast. You've heard us mentioning that coming up at the end of April. Six hours of teaching with some focused time of prayer for the persecuted church. If you're planning to come, space is limited. We're at 50% capacity. So if you're going to come, go ahead and sign up. Um, There's no cost for Gateway people to attend. There's a code you should have received that um, showed you how to get that discount if you don't have that. Let us know. And lastly, men's backpacking trip coming up at the end of the month. Mike Presley, who's out of town today, but Mike has been putting this one together. It's a Saturday, April 30th to Sunday, May 1. It's going to be about a 15-mile trip up along the, um, the FDR State Park near Columbus, Georgia, on the Pine Mountain Trails. It's going to be a beautiful weekend together with the guys of the church. If you want to go, details are on the website, gatewaybaptist.com. Space is limited, and so we do need you to pre-register for that if you're interested in going with some of the guys in the church backpacking on that weekend. Now, let's focus our minds on the Lord as we get ready to sing. I'm going to ask you to stand, please. I want to read some scripture to us as we think about what we're going to be singing this morning. And as we sing about God being with us, and we sing about God's presence with us, protecting us and guiding us and Him fighting for us, I want to remind us of the sovereignty of God who is holding us and accomplishing His will. John chapter 10, verses 27 to 30. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Let's worship and celebrate the God who is holding us. Still your love is sure You will not abandon You 
Love is a strong and mighty fortress. Raise your voice now. No love is greater. Who can stand against us if our God is for us? Sing with joy now. Our God is for us. The Father's love is a strong and mighty fortress. Raise your voice now. No love is greater. Who can stand against us?
I mentioned at the announcement time beginning, we are so thrilled that you guys elected these five men to be deacons, to join Alex and Shin and carrying forward. And we want to get a chance to introduce them officially to you. So Eric, John, Kyle, Mike, and Ryan, if you guys are here, if you'll come on up to the front. And then Alex and Shin, if you guys are here, you guys come on up to the front also. And if you want to face everybody, it's, you know, not everyone's able to be here today. But we want to introduce those who are here and then introduce those another week once they are back also but yeah come and face the front it's not a scary group i promise you <laughs> there we go okay so here, here we have on, on the ends down here are shin and alex they're current deacons who are carrying on and we're thankful you guys are, are going forward with us and then we have john glasscock and eric butterfield and kyle Watley and ron burke and then not with us today you see his picture on the screen is mike presley who's out of town so you can but guys we are thrilled to officially have you as deacons here again let's give them a round of applause and comments first. if you remember back in several months ago when we paused our rooted study to preach about the role of deacons in the church you saw then as we looked at the scriptures how valuable and essential the role of deacons is for the health of the church and so we are just really thrilled the lord has raised up this group of men to help us serve the needs of the body and not just to do it themselves but like i mentioned earlier to lead the body in service i've had a lot of people as they've gone through discover gateway and in recent months in the last year be like how can i serve and we've had to acknowledge that like really we haven't given you good own ramps to find ways to use your gifts in ministry and the lord has raised up a team here that's going to help us equip you guys to do the works of ministry. And we are just thrilled that the Lord has done this. As I've been reflecting on this. I want to read you something out of Acts 6. 
This is when the early deacons were first elected. And we preached through this, but I just want to read it to you to remind you the significance of what we see there. But Acts chapter 6 and verse 3, it says, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. And the apostle said, But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said, please the whole gathering. Then what follows is a list of all those that were selected. And it said here in verse 6 of Acts 6, these they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And there was verse 7. This is so significant. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. When the church followed God's pattern and, and had elders and, and deacons who were working together to serve the body and to teach the word and to serve the needs of the body, the church grew. The word of God increased. And as you see how the word blessed what he did through that. And so we're thrilled that God has raised up this group of men, that they've sensed the call to do this. And you guys have affirmed that. And we are so thankful for what's happened and what is to come. So what we want to do is take a few minutes to pray over them. So if any of the elders in the room, could you guys come up here with me and let's lay hands on these brothers as we pray for them. I see Greg and I think I see Seth back there and there's Jeff and William. And so we want to take a minute and if you guys just want to maybe stand behind them and let's lay hands on them and we'll agree together in prayer and commissioning these brothers for this task. And if you guys will pray with us and join us as well on this. Father God, we are thankful that you have given us your revelation, that you've given us your plan for the church, that we didn't have to sit around and dream up how the church should be structured, but you've called us to have elders who shepherd, elders who teach the word, and you've called us to have deacons who serve and who lead in service, ministering to the body. Lord, thank you for giving us such a clear plan for the church, and thank you that, Lord, Gateway has responded to your plan. And Lord, we are so thankful for these brothers here. We're thankful for Alex and Shin and their Many years of service already as deacons and their heart to continue to do so. We're thankful for Eric and for John and for Kyle and for Mike and for Ron and for these brothers who've sensed your call to step up for such a time as this to help equip gateway people to serve in ministry. And we thank you for all seven of these brothers. And Lord, we just pray for them as they step out in this new season, this new chapter, God, that you would give them the wisdom they need from above to know how to lead and to equip in ministry. I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit and equip them for this task that you have called them to do. I pray you'll give them wisdom for each step of the way and that you'll guide and direct their steps. And yet, Lord, we know as just we were reading in Acts 6 that when this happened in the early church, the word of God increased. And Lord, we know anytime the word of God is increasing, there's a very real enemy who hates your church and hates the gospel and hates you being glorified and will do all he can to trip up and to divide and create division and disunity and to create temptations to sin. And so we pray for these brothers, God, that you would protect them, God, that you would keep them close to you, that you would keep their eyes focused on Christ, that their delight would continue to be in your word and in knowing you and in walking with you. We pray you keep them close to their wives and guard them as they shepherd their families, that their first ministry, even before they do ministry here at the church, God, would be to shepherd their home well. Give them much grace for that task. I pray you give them and give their wives much joy as they serve together in this body. I pray you keep them close to one another and close to you. And Lord, as they step out into ministry, I pray you would surround these brothers with people who have a heart and passion for the different areas that they are leading, that people who are gifted to serve in these ways would step up to join them. And Lord, I pray as the body's needs are better met in this new season, Lord, I pray that we would see the word of God increase, that we see lives being changed, discipleship happening, and your church strengthened because of the ministry of these brothers. And so we just are so grateful. Our hearts are full of thankfulness for what you have done and what you're going to do. And so, Lord, just in Jesus' name, we commission them to you with hearts full of thankfulness to do what you have tasked and called them to do, trusting you to lead them every step of the way. And, Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Thank you, brothers. We're thrilled that God has you here. William Fox, one of our elders, is going to come lead us in a prayer time now. God, I bless you that I know you. I once lived in the world, but was ignorant of its creator. I was partaker of your providences, but I knew not the provider. I was blind while enjoying the sunlight, was deaf to all things spiritual with voices all around me, understood many things, but had no knowledge of your ways, saw the world but did not see Jesus only, was breathing but not alive. Oh, happy day when in your love's sovereignty you did look on me and call me by grace. Then did the, hit, the dead heart within me begin to beat, the darkened eye glimmer with light, the dull ear catch your echo, and I turned to thee and found thee, a God ready to hear willing to save. Father God, we, we sang songs that reflected on these verses here just as, as we were praising you just a mere moments ago. And we, we reflect on those that you didn't just save us from the grave and save us from death, but, but you saved us for relationship with you. You saved us to something that is the relationship with you. You are Heavenly Father. And uh, we've had earthly fathers, but uh, we, we can't appreciate the distinction that there is in, in one that brought us not just out of the negative, but into, into relationship with himself and, and knew us beforehand and still did that. And we fall down and he picks us up and he strengthens us and he helps us to move forward. And we thank you for what that means Think of the verse in Matthew chapter 7. If a child asks for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? Your Father in heaven knows how to give good things, good gifts to those who ask. And we come before you expressing that we know and understand some piece of that relationship that we have to you. And we bring some concerns this morning. We left up to you the, the parents and the children, the families that we have in this church here. We just pray that we are, we are godly and, and reflections of you and your relationship with us, that we can serve our families, we can serve our husbands, our wives, we can serve our children and, and those that are in our family, no matter what our life stage is, that we can do that in a way that reflects and glorifies you and encourages uh, encourages those other family members. We we just lift up the uh, ministries that uh, are we're engaged in, the folks in our church, the Dixons and their their ministry with Shepherd Staff, and we just pray for those uh, that ministry that what you're doing there that you will do 
uh, mighty things in the hearts of the, the individuals that are involved with that. We pray for Emily as she travels to Kenya and work with the school and the children's home there. We pray that you will uh, provide safe travel, that you will uh, work in, in and through that ministry and the needs of the folks that are there in a very desperate situation in, in the western part of Kenya. We pray for folks that are in a desperate situation in Ukraine and difficult things. Brothers and sisters, we don't know their names. We just know that they're in our family, and we just lift up uh, the, the, the brothers and sisters that we have there and that you are providing very real providing for them and their safety and their their provision and that you're doing things and among them as they minister to those that are around them that you are opening a way for uh, for, for them and that you're opening a way for them to to love and to encourage the people who are around them that have no hope in that circumstance we pray after we heard mark we just lift up the situation that's in haiti right in our back door and the in the turmoil that's there in that country the disruption and chaos. We just pray that your church is is moving and working. We know that you are doing that all over the place. We just pray that they are cooperating with you and reaching out and, and ministering to people that are in that in that country that is so so near and close to us. We lift up to you, Pastor Jay Joy, that is at Young Matters Pastor Presbyterian, and just pray for your work. Uh, in him and through him to the congregation, that body of, of believers and brothers and sisters that meet there. We pray that they're encouraged this morning with what word that you would speak to them and, and um, that they are strengthened in their, in their faith. We lift up to you, uh, Grady, as he teaches this morning. We pray that uh, you will, uh, you will uh, speak clearly through him. Your spirit will touch us in the ways that we each need to hear those, those words. And we thank you for the blessings that we have to be able to gather in freedom here this morning. Pray that we do not take that for granted. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And boys and girls in first to fourth grade, you're dismissed to kids' worship. First to fourth grade, you're dismissed to kids' worship. You've got Miss Jennifer and Mr. Tom today. Have fun back there. While they're headed to kids' worship, if you want to find Psalm chapter 19 in your copy of God's Word, Psalm chapter 19 this morning. So we seek to be more rooted and grounded in the Word of God and the Scriptures. We started last week talking about what is the Word of God. If you remember from last week, you looked at 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we saw there that the Bible is God's grace gift to us. It's His very words, and He's given it to us so that we can know Him and know how to live for Him. And I hope and pray this past week that you have seen the Word of God as a treasure, as a gift from God, and hope you've been running to it this week to learn more of the nature of God and to learn more of His will for your life. Now, we want to continue that emphasis today, but focus on our heart attitudes. What should our affections and our heart attitudes be as we think about the Word of God? Yes, friends, God calls us to read the Word. We could do a whole sermon one day on the things in Scripture that tell us to read the Word and prioritize the Word and run to the Word. And so, yes, God calls us to read His Word, but just checking off the box, okay, I read my Bible every day is not what God is leading us to. It's not just us to do things out of just discipline or just out of sheer drudgery that we're supposed to do this. We need to read the Scripture, but God wants us to have a particular attitude as we come to the Scripture, a particular heart motivation as we read the scripture. And so the next question in the catechism that is guiding us through the study helps us think about this very topic as we continue to think about the word of God, the scriptures. And it's question 42, and it's how is the word of God to be read and heard? 
How are we to hear the Word of God? How are we to read the Word of God? Now, if you read the Catechism answer, it focuses more on the what. It focuses on the diligence we need to prioritize the Word and the diligence we need in going to the Word and and praying over the Word. And there's a lot of good things in there, and I would encourage you to read that and think about that. But I want to take a little different angle on that question this morning and focus more on the why. Focus more on what our heart attitude should be as we look at running to the Word of God. And friends, as we start looking at what our, our affections should be as we think about reading the Scripture, the reality is we all fall short. I fall short, you fall short. And having these affections as we think about reading the Scriptures and hearing the Scriptures. And so we look at this not for us to despair, not to be like, oh, I've got so far I need to grow. We don't look at this to make us just try harder. We look at this with the hope that this will lead us to pray. What we talked about for several weeks, a few weeks back, this will lead us to pray as we approach Scripture, asking the Holy Spirit to create in us these type of affections that we see in this beautiful poem in Psalm 19. Friends, so we come to Psalm 19 this morning. We come to a psalm that C.S. Lewis said is the greatest poem in the Psalter. C.S. Lewis said this is one of the greatest lyrics in the entire world. And he's right. What we come to in Psalm Psalm 19 is one of the greatest poems anywhere in Scripture. And it's probably some of the greatest lyrics ever penned anywhere in the world. This is a beautiful poem from King David that models for us what our heart affection should be, what our attitude should be as we think about reading and hearing the Word of God. So how is the Word of God to be read and heard? Let's look for the answer in Psalm chapter 19. We're going to look at verses 7 to 10. Can I ask you to stand, please, in honor of the reading of the Word of God, this grace gift that He has given to us. So Psalm chapter 19, starting in verse number 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for the grace gift of your word. We're thankful that in your kindness you have given it to us. And I pray today that you would use your word to stir in us God-given affections to want to treasure your word even more. So take your word and use it this morning in our lives, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're looking, friends, at a psalm of King David, and this is a psalm where David celebrates God's revelation. And so in the six verses before what we read this morning, David celebrates God's general revelation, his revelation of himself in scripture, sorry, in creation. Yes, creation points us to the reality there's a God, but creation is limited. It can't show us the path of salvation. So here in verses 7 through 10, David changes focus and celebrates God's special revelation, his specific revelation in Scripture, in the Word of God, where God has revealed himself to us, shown us who he is, and shown us how to know him. Now, to begin this section of the psalm on the specific revelation of God, the Scriptures, David uses six poetic statements here to make a point. There's a beautiful repetition here to make a point to us about what the Word of God is, what His nature is, and how it affects us. Now, some of you know that when I study during the week, when I start on Mondays, the first thing I do is I make a structural diagram. Now, for the kids in here who are in Miss Amy or Miss Jennifer's classes here, these are not to the level of Miss Amy and Miss Jennifer's um, structural diagrams. These are not the grammatical ones, all the lines. But I make a diagram of the text 
to help me see things. And when I first diagrammed this text several years ago when we were preaching through the Psalms and did this entire Psalm, and when I redid it this week looking at it, I'm just amazed at the beautiful structure of what David did. And so most weeks I don't share this with you, but I want you to see this this week. I want you to see the breakdown of what we are looking at here in this. If you look down the left, there's six words in purple there. The colors don't have any meaning except for to help me see them. So uh, these are all synonyms for the Word of God. Law, testimony, precepts, commandment, fear, rules. If you notice, all six of these come from the same source. Of the Lord, of the Lord, of the Lord, all the way down. Now, because these descriptions for Scripture, because the Word of God comes from the Lord, in blue there are the descriptions of its nature. It's perfect, it's sure, it's right, it's pure, it's clean, it endures forever, it's true, it's righteous altogether. Then on the right, four of the six in this poem are how the Word of God changes our lives. It revives our soul. It makes wise the simple. It rejoices the heart. It enlightens the eyes. And so here we have this masterfully crafted poem. And for type A OCD people, in beautiful symmetry here of the breakdown of describing for us what the Word of God is, where it comes from, what its nature is, and what it does in our lives. Let's kind of take that apart for a few minutes here to help us see what should our heart attitude be as we look at Scripture. Let's start with that first column there, how David describes the Word of God, the Scripture. Now, you see those six words up there, law, testimony, precepts, commandment, fear, and rules. Friends, these are really synonyms. These all have the same primary emphasis of painting for us a picture of the Word of God, the Scripture. It shows us the comprehensive nature of the Scripture. Now, two things I want you to see about these terms here. First of all, all these terms show us that Scripture is authoritative. If you look at all six of these terms together, we can, there's some different nuances, but at the core agreement of all six of these is that Scripture is authoritative, that the one who is sovereign, who is ruling over all, the one who has authority over all things because he is the creator, the ruler, the judge, he has spoken and he's given to us an authoritative word. He's given us his law his principles for how we're to order our life. He's given us his testimonies, his self-revelation of how his creation should operate. He's given us his precepts. This is a term to describe what a king gives. He gives us his commandments, his rules to be obeyed. He gives us his fear. Well, that starts sounding different here. But in Scripture, fear means the reverent awe in how we approach God. He has shown us how we are to approach Him because He is the King, and He's given us His rules, His clear standard. And when you look at those six terms together, it paints a beautiful poetic picture of a sovereign Creator who has spoken and told us with authority what we are supposed to know and to follow. As such, Scripture is our only authority, and Scripture is our only standard. But the second thing I want you to see about how the, the words that describe the Bible here is the source of them all. If you look down the red column in the middle here, you see that same word repeated, of the Lord, 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 of the Lord. This reminds us of what we saw last week in 2 Timothy 3, 16, that all Scripture is breathed out by God. As we saw last week, that breathed out was the source of Scripture, that God breathes out the word, that he speaks it to us. It's his authoritative word that comes from him. And this reinforces it again, six times telling us that the scriptures are of the Lord. They come from the Lord. And here you see the Lord is all caps because that's the covenant name of God. That's Yahweh, his revealed name, that God himself has spoken these things to us. So the source of all scripture is breathed out by God. It comes from him. In light of that, friends, that is, tells us that's the foundation, and that foundation now tells us the nature of Scripture. If a holy God has spoken with authority these laws, testimonies, precepts, commandments, fear of how to approach Him, and rules, 
What, is, what are these things like? Because they come from him. And that's what those blue words are up there that describe the nature of Scripture. Notice, first of all, the law of the Lord is perfect. And we see this word perfect. There's two senses to it. First, it means there's no blemishes. Some translations render this, uh, the law of the Lord has no blemish. There's no errors in it. We can trust all of it. It's completely true in everything that it says. But when we see the word perfect here, it also has a sense of being complete. It is not lacking anything. That Everything we need to know for life and godliness is given to us in the word of God. It is sufficient for all we need. So we talk a lot about the sufficiency of scripture because everything you and I need to know God and to walk with him and to live out this life in this world is already given to us in scripture. It's perfect, no errors and complete. We're also told here that the testimony of the Lord is sure. The word sure just means trustworthy. We can trust the word. It is, we can believe it. It is trustworthy because it comes from a trustworthy God. It is sure. We're told then in the third one that the precepts of the Lord are right. This word right in Hebrew carries the idea of morally right, of being, of being what's good. The scripture then will never lead us astray. It shows us the path of righteousness to run down. We're told in the fourth one, the commandment of the Lord is pure. This is the idea of being holy, not even having the slightest drip of error or mistake or problems in it. It is pure. It is completely clean. It is from God himself who is pure. Therefore, his words are pure. You see the fifth one there, the fear of the Lord is clean. This is really similar to pure, but this is the word used in Hebrew to describe ritual purity. When people had to be clean to come to the temple or clean to do things at the tabernacle. It's the same word here. It's the word that's, it's the idea that scripture is pure. It is holy. It is set apart. It is different. It is God's perfect revelation. We're then told in verse 9 as well, it is not only clean, but it's enduring forever. That the unchanging God who doesn't change, who's always the same yesterday, today, and forever, has spoken a revelation that's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't get up and change his mood today from yesterday. He's consistent. Therefore, his word is consistent. It shows his unchanging will. And there's two more there at the end of verse 9. The rules of the Lord are true. It can just reemphasize you. They're trustworthy. They're reliable. That God has told us exactly what we need to know. It is a literal truth, and we can trust everything we read in Scripture. And then to sum up all those other six or six commands right before, six descriptions, he says, the rules of the Lord are righteous all together. Now, this is the conclusion of all of these, that together all of Scripture is righteous. Because God is righteous, his word is righteous. Because God is holy, his word is holy. Because God is perfect, his word is perfect. So the question for us becomes, when we as God's people run to his word and we look at his law, his testimony, his precepts, his commandments, his fear, his rules... When we are reading things that are not like any other work on earth, when we read things that are perfect and sure and right and pure and clean and enduring forever and true and righteous, what happens to us as we read his unchanging revelation? Well, there's four things of how it impacts us and wants to look at this. So let's jump up to verse 7 and we'll switch back to our normal looking at scripture. So if we can, we'll drop the chart and go back to our normal verse up there. There we go. So let's look at these together. Four ways that the word of God changes us as you and I, as followers of Christ, read it. Number one, if we look back at verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. That God's word revives us. Now, what does it mean to have our souls revived? Well, in the Hebrew, the language that's written in, this word for reviving your soul is a word that was normally used to describe people eating. So this is a food analogy for us. So think about the last time you were working on a project or a task, and you were so hungry, 
you couldn't focus. You felt like you were going to pass out cutting your grass, or you couldn't quite finish that school project because you were so hungry. So you stopped what you were doing, and you went and you got that meal, and all of a sudden your energy came back. You felt rejuvenated. You felt revived, and you're like, I can go back and tackle that now. That's the exact image that is given to us. Just as food gives strength to a weary soul, so the Word of God strengthens us and restores life to us. Friends, when we are weary in life, when we are feeling overwhelmed, when we are walking through hard seasons and difficulties and trials, and we're thinking, I don't know how I can keep going, the Word of God restores our soul. It revives our soul. It's God's grace gift to feed us spiritually so we can keep going and walking with Him. This is what Jesus referenced in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, when He was being tempted in the wilderness, and He quotes Deuteronomy. So Matthew 4, 4, I think we have it up there on the screen for you. When Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That God gives us his words, his scripture, to feed us spiritually. His word reminds us of who God is. It reminds us of his presence with us, even in the hard times. It reminds us of his promises. It points us to eternity, and it revives our soul no matter what we are walking through in this life at the time. Now go back to verse 7 here, because there's a second thing God's word does to us as we run to it. Not only does it revive us, but the second phrase there, the testimony of the Lord is sure, it makes wise the simple. So God's word makes wise the simple. This word here for simple doesn't mean foolish, doesn't mean stupid here. The word here for simple simply means uninstructed, uninstructed, that we need instruction. It reminds us that on our own, we do not know how to wisely live. On our own, we do not know what God's plan for us is. And so scripture is what God gives to us to give us his wisdom. It shows us the path of righteousness to walk down. It shows us very specific commands for us to obey. But even beyond that, scripture gives us a framework. We call it a worldview. So when things come up that we're like, well, I don't know a direct verse that tells me what to do with my phone or not my phone. There weren't cell phones at the time. We can look to scripture because it gives us a framework to understand the will of God, a worldview so we can make sense of life and know how to walk through this life with the Lord. It teaches us. It instructs us. Because in so doing, it guards us from much folly and much error. Because how much of the pain in our life is self-inflicted when we've rejected what God's word said to go do our own thing, when we've simply neglected God's word and we make decisions without the framework of a biblical worldview to guide us. So we need the word of God to make us wise, to give us wisdom. I love how it's painted later for us in Psalm 119. Psalm 119 verse 105 it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Just as the light gives you the, the ability to see where you're going, so does the scriptures. So studying this week, one of the authors I read said it so well. He said, without God's word, we are in the dark. We stumble through life, walking into walls and falling into one ditch after another. But with the light of scripture, we see ourselves and we see the world. So God gives us his word, and as we run to his perfect and sure word, it gives life to our souls, it revives us, it strengthens us, and it then gives us wisdom as well. But there's a third thing it does. Look at verse 8, and it's back in Psalm 19. And the third stanza of this poem, it says, The precepts of the Lord are right, they rejoice the heart. Now we see heart in Scripture is not talking about your physical organ that's beating right now. It's talking about your soul, your inner person, who you are as a person. And so here it's talking about your inner person, your soul. So God's word brings joy to the depths of who we are. Now, what is joy, friends? There's a lot of confusion about this. If you remember when we studied James several years ago, now that seems like a long time back, we talked a lot about joy then. Joy is different than happiness. 
Because happiness is circumstantial, right? You feel happy if your team wins in the tournament, right? You feel happy when you get the raise or get the job or someone gives you something nice. Happiness is circumstantial, but joy is not. Joy is not an emotion. When you look at Scripture, joy is a state of being, not an emotion. It's a state of being. So joy literally means to have a settled attitude, to have a settled attitude, to have peace, to have contentment. One of the authors I was reading this week said, joy is having an inner peace and tranquility. I was like, that's a good way to look at it, to have an inner peace and tranquility. That means, friends, that Scripture changes our state of being. As we run to Scripture and study it and read it, it changes our state of being. and replaces all those things in us like disappointment and fears and worry, and it replaces them with peace, with joy, with hope, with tranquility. It changes who we are on the inside. And so as we read the Scripture, this perfect revelation of God, it gives life to our souls and strengthens us. It gives wisdom for us for the path of life, and it gives joy, peace, contentment in our heart. But there's one more for us here in verse 8. It says here that the commandment of the Lord is pure, and it enlightens the eyes. Now, what does it mean to have light in the eyes? It means you're alert, you're watchful, you're discerning, you're understanding. That's exactly what the Word of God does. The more we read it and study it, the more it makes us alert and watchful to understand who we are and what's happening in our own hearts, to understand what's happening around us in the world, to see the world as God sees it, to see us as God sees us, to see temptation for what it is, to see righteousness for what it is. As we study the Word of God, it enlightens our eyes, makes us alert, aware, understanding, and discerning. And so here in these first three verses, these six expressions of this poem, we have this beautiful picture of the Word of God and where it comes from and what it does for us. So how does it change us? Now, before we look at how it changes, I want us to read these together. Now that you've seen them kind of in their detail, let's look at it together as a poetic whole. So go back to verse number seven. I want us to start back there. And and I want us to actually read this one out loud together. Thinking about all we've just seen, let's read this out loud and think through how does this change. So let's just say it out loud together, and we're going to work through all three of them, okay? The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Verse 9. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Okay, so that's the truth, friends. That's what the Word of God is. That's where it comes from. There's its nature. There's what it does to us. So in light of that, how should that shape our attitude towards approaching Scripture? When we read Scripture out loud together like we just did, when we read it privately, when we we talk about it in our small groups, when you talk about it with your family and friends, when you read it devotionally on your own, how should what we've just read shape our attitude? I want to suggest this morning you should do two things in our heart. These are things we can be praying that God will do in our heart. Number one, it should, be meaning that, it should mean that we approach the Word of God expectantly. That we should approach the Word of God expectantly. We should go to the Word when we read it together or alone. When we talk about it with our friends or our family, we should be expecting it to revive our souls. We should be expecting it to give us wisdom. We should be expecting it to give us joy and peace. And we should be expecting it to enlighten us, making us alert and understanding. Now, why should we expect it to do these things? Because God has just told us that's what it does. We just read it out loud together. God has said that his word revives us. His word makes us wise. His word rejoices the heart. His word enlightens our eyes. And he's just told us that, his, that he is perfect and sure and right and pure and true and all these things. We can trust God when God speaks and God says this is what his word will do. So we should approach his word expecting it to do so. 
We even saw a glimpse of this last week. Do you remember 2 Timothy 3.16? That all scripture is breathed out by God and it is profitable. And it goes on to tell us it's profitable for teaching and for reproof and correction and training and righteous. That God's word is profitable. There's great gain that comes from that. Again, it revives our soul. It makes us wise. It gives joy to our heart and enlightens our eyes. And friends, we can be confident if this is what God wills for his word to do, when we submit ourselves to it, the Holy Spirit is going to take the word and accomplish that in, it, in us. I love how it's said in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. This is a beautiful description of the hope we have in God doing what God said he would do. God says he uses images of creation to kind of point us to what the word does. He says, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth. Make it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Now look at verse 11 here. It says, so in the same way shall my word, and here it is again, that comes out of my mouth, this repeated emphasis of scripture, the word of God, the scripture is his breath, this came from him. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose. What does he purpose? 2 Timothy 3, for it to be profitable in Psalm 19 to revive us and enlighten our eyes and make us wise and give us joy. It will not return to him empty. It will accomplish that which he purposes and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Friends, we can go to the word of God expecting, expecting God to do what God has said he would do. So the question for us, friends, is do we expect God's word to do those things? It's easy for us to get into the routine or habit. I'm going to read my Bible because I'm supposed to or someone's going to ask me next week if I have my quiet time, so I'm going to do it. But friends, God wants us to come to his word expectantly. He said this is what his word will accomplish. He wants us to go to it longing for it to do so. But there's a second attitude in this psalm that guides us in how we approach the word of God. So not only should we approach God's word expectantly, but number two, we should approach it joyfully. We should approach it joyfully. Friends, if we understand that God's law does these things, that God's word does these things, there should be joy in our heart that God in his grace has given us his word to accomplish these things for us. And that's exactly where the psalmist here, where King David goes next. Look at verse 10, and there's what he concludes. In light of all these things that God's word is and does, this is what he concludes about in verse 10. More to be desired are they, now just stop right there, that they here is the law, the testimony, the precepts, the commandment, the rule, the word of God, the scripture. More to be desired is the scripture, the word of God, than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. So God says in light of what his word is and what it does, we should desire it more than two things. And this is an example for us. He takes the two things that humans want the most, money and food. He has these two things that consume most of our thoughts and attention, money and food, and says, as much as you think about money and food, as much as you desire those things, God's word is more desirable than those. So he starts here with money, the first part of verse 10. More to be desired are they, the word of God, than gold, even much fine gold. Now, think for a minute, friends. Suppose you had a friend who was a multimillionaire. Now, I don't have a multimillionaire friend. I'm not sure many of you do either. But if we had friends who were multimillionaire and they were trustworthy friends who did what they said, and they called you up one day and said, hey, I, I need to get rid of some money for tax purposes. I want to bless you. I'm going to give you and your family $2 million. Can you come by my house in about 10 minutes to get it? Most of you are going to be like, eh, that's a lot of trouble. I really want to go to the gym right now. I don't want to have to go by his house. Um, but I guess I will. I, I guess, I guess it's the best thing. No, you're going to have joy, right? You have a trustworthy friend who's offering you money. If you just go do it, there's not going to be a begrudging attitude towards going to get it. Your heart's going to be overflowing, thinking, am I crazy? Is this real? And then you realize it's real. Your heart's going to be full of joy. And God says, as much joy as you would find if someone gave you that, find more joy. 
This would be desired more than gold because God has given us something more profitable than money, something that gives us life, wisdom, joy, and light in our eyes. He said, find more joy in running to the scriptures and looking to what God's word will do in us than if someone gave us a lot of money. The second imagery here for us is food. God knows how to get to our hearts on these things. He says, more to be desired today than gold, much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Now, some of you may really love honey, but to me, a better paraphrase in my culture would be sweeter also than the richest German chocolate melting in your mouth. That, that for me, captures a little bit better, I think, what the psalmist was trying to say in this place. He's saying to go to God's Word with joy, as much joy as when you eat something. So, friends, for example, I eat chocolate with a different attitude than I eat asparagus, okay, right? Now, some of you may love asparagus, and no offense if you love asparagus, but I eat asparagus, one, because my wife asked me to for my health, but two, I eat asparagus because I know it's good for me. I don't delight in eating asparagus, except for going, well, this is good for me. I think I can get this down somehow. There's no joy in that except for knowing I should, so I, in drudgery, push through to eat what I'm supposed to eat. But you put a piece of Ghirardelli chocolate in front of me, I'm not having to begrudgingly eat it. My heart is full of joy as I'm enjoying that Ghirardelli chocolate going down or that Hershey's bar or whatever, right? Because I delight in a certain type of food more than others. And that's the image that we have here in the Psalms here is that we are to desire God's word more than whatever food brings us delight in this as well. That God has given us his word that will bring life to our weary souls, that will give us wisdom to walk this path of life, that will give great joy and peace and contentment to our heart no matter our circumstances, and they'll give light to our eyes so we become discerning and understanding and know how to walk through this life. And friends, when we get to run to it for it to do those things in us, it should give us as much joy, more joy than getting money or getting that favorite food. More to be desired are they, the scriptures, the word of God, than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. So let's bring all of that together. Last week, friends, we saw that the Word of God, the Bible, is God's gift to us, that He has given us a treasure, He has given us a gift. So, how should we approach it? Here's what I want us to see this morning to bring it together. We are to approach the Word of God expectantly and joyfully. That yes, we should be intentionally pursuing it, that we need to be setting aside time personally to read the Bible. We need to be setting aside time in our families around the dinner table or at night to talk about the Bible with our spouse and with our kids. We should be taking time as our friends as we sit around at Chick-fil-A or Prevail or wherever you go to talk about the scriptures together. Yes, we need to be talking about the Word of God and here and in small groups. We need to be intentionally in, intentional in reading it and hearing it and discussing it. But God wants us to go a step further, not just do it because we're supposed to do it. Not to view the Word of God as the asparagus on our plate that we're supposed to eat. He wants us to delight in it. He wants us to run to it expectantly, trusting that He's going to change us and transform us and mold us through it. And joyfully knowing that this is a great good for us and there's so much to delight in. So the question for us, friends, is you think about the last week. So I think about the last week. When we've read Scripture over the last week, whether alone or with others, did we read it expectantly? Did we go to it thinking, God is going to strengthen me as I read this. God is going to give me wisdom as I talk about this with my friends. God is going to give me joy as I meditate on this text and memorize this text. God's going to give me light in my eyes as I keep thinking about what I've read in the scriptures this morning. Have we gone to the word expectantly? But likewise, friends, have we done so joyfully, going to it, rejoicing that God has given us revelation, rejoicing that God has given us something so good and so delightful, not something we just need to, to, with drudgery, go through, but something that we can delight in because it's so amazing and so good. Friends, are we reading his word expectantly and joyfully? 
And friends, as we look to the week ahead, if we realize in the week ahead that, you know, we are reading it with joy, we are reading it with expectantly, what should we do? We should praise God for his grace that has created those affections in us. And we thank him for it, and we realize that we've tasted and seen his goodness, but we ask for more. And so as you rejoice in God's word this weekend, or go to it expectantly, keep asking God to keep increasing those desires in you. God loves answering those prayers. But friends, the reality is we all have valleys. There are times when we go to the word of God and we're like, yeah, I'm supposed to do it because Grady's going to ask me about it or my small group leader's going to ask me about it or my wife's going to ask me about it. I need to read the Bible. What do we do when we find that our heart affections are not going to this joyfully and expectantly? Can I suggest three things we do? Number one, we press on and still read it anyway. It's good for us. Even if our hearts are not where they need to be, it's still good for us. It's still the word of God and God has promised it will not return voice. So number one, we still read it anyway. But number two, before we read it, we pray first. Friends, prayer is not some formality we have to do. Like we saw several weeks back, it's a real conversation with God. It's pouring out our hearts to God. God already knows where our hearts are. And so if our hearts aren't looking at the word of God with joy and expectancy, talk to him about it. He already knows. So before we even read the scripture, we go to the Lord and say, Lord, I know I'm supposed to do this, but right now I don't find a lot of joy. And right now, God, I'm not really expecting much to happen, but God, you can change that. And ask the Holy Spirit to come and to fill you and to change your affections to the word and to see what happens as you begin reading scripture not just out of a sense of duty, but at least acknowledging to the Lord in prayer, I need you to change my affections and watch what he does. But a third thing we can do, ask a friend to help you. Friends, God has given us the grace gift of his word, but he's also given us the grace gift of community. That we don't have to walk through this journey of life alone. And if you're looking at the scriptures going, you know, honestly, I never really read them on my own. Or, you know, when I do read them, I don't feel like it's really making a difference or my heart's not full of joy talk to the Lord about, but talk to a friend about it. There's so many wise, trusted friends around here from your small groups or here in this room who can walk with you and be praying for you about it. We've got some amazing prayer warriors here who would love if you went to them and said, hey, would you pray that God would give me more of a heart and appetite for his word? They would love to be praying over you on that and then walking alongside you, encouraging you. And friends, if you're like, you know, I don't even know who to ask to pray that, after the service is over today, after our closing song, some of the elders are gonna be down front. If you just need someone to, to pray with you about this or anything else, After the service, come and grab one of these guys standing in the front, and they would love to pray with you about it. Because God's desire for you and for me, yes, is to read his revelation, his grace gift, his treasure, but not to do so begrudgingly or out of habit. He wants us to go to his word with expectancy and joy as he transforms us through it. Would you pray with me? Father God, you are so, so good to us. Lord, you and your grace have created us. You have redeemed us and rescued us from our sin. You have given us the hope of eternal life. You've given us your presence now. And God, you have given us your clear revelation of scripture. God, you've not left us in the dark wondering who you are. You've not left us in the dark wondering what your will is for us. But God, you've given us your law that is perfect, your testimony that is sure, your precepts that are right, your commandments, Lord, that are pure, the fear that your word shows us that's clean and endures forever. And you've given us your rules that are true and righteous altogether. So, Lord, I pray from from my own heart and the heart of these friends that, God, that you would increase our desire for your word. God, that you would increase our hunger for your word. And, God, as we even this week taste and see that you are good as we read the scriptures, God, we pray that that would just give us a hunger for more. God, you know those in this room who struggle to even read your word consistently. And I pray this morning they wouldn't come away with a sense of guilt or shame. But, Lord, they come away with a sense of renewed hunger to want to get in your word this week and to study it, to see you for who you are. But you know those who are in this room, Lord, who are reading your word, but doing so more because they know they're supposed to, but not because they're delighting. I pray this week that, Lord, something they read 
would trigger their heart affections to where they see how good you are in this and it would make them want to see more of your revelation. I pray for them your word would come alive this week. Lord, for those who are reading your word and delighting in it and finding joy in it and finding expectancy in it, Lord, I pray that they would just continue to taste and see more and more and more of your goodness. Lord, I pray that would overflow to others. Lord, that you would use them as they speak about you and what they're learning and what they're reading and what they're praying about. Use that to just be a spark that spreads to others, Lord, that others would learn from them and want to follow what you're doing in their lives as well. And so, Lord, we just thank you for your grace, for giving us your word. And pray this week, Lord, we would treasure it, perhaps as we've never treasured it before, for your glory and for our joy, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song, reflecting on beholding the mystery of Christ.
Maybe two or three of the elders. If you guys would just come down to the front here, I see Seth down here, and Jeff's going to be over here, and William or Greg, if one of you guys, both you guys, come on down here. Guys, we love praying for you. And so if there's something we can be praying for you about after the service, just come grab one of these guys and let them pray over you about whatever it doesn't have to be about what the sermon's about, but it could be about anything else in your life. If you need prayer for something, come find these guys after the service and let them lay hands on you and pray over you. Join me in prayer now. Father, we thank you that you've given us your perfect law. And I pray this week, Lord, it would bring life to each one of our souls. God, thank you for giving us your sure testimonies. And Lord, I pray this week you would give us wisdom from it. I thank you for giving us your precepts that are right. And Lord, I pray this week that you would give us joy and peace and contentment and tranquility through your spirit taking your word. And we thank you that your commandments are pure and lightening our eyes. And Lord, we pray that in a world that there's so much temptation, so many wrong ways to cope, God, that you would give us light in our eyes to be discerning this week. Lord, you told us that your word is more to be desired than gold, it's sweeter than honey. No, Lord, we pray your Holy Spirit would create in us those affections this week. We confess we cannot try hard enough to make those affections. We can't create that on our own, but your Holy Spirit can give that to us. So would you, in my heart, in the heart of these precious brothers and sisters this week, give us greater affections for you and your word, for your glory and for our joy, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.